Hello, 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 and welcome to Courageously Kind. I'm Maddie. And I'm Liz. We're twin sisters and best friends. Together, we share stories of especially kind humans doing especially kind things in hopes that these conversations motivate and inspire you to be kinder to yourself and others. When we're not speaking with an incredible guest, we'll speak directly from our hearts about what it means to us to be courageously kind. This week, our guest is the lovely Miss Lucy, who is the founder and owner and director of Lil's Parlor. Lil's Parlor is a pay-what-you-can bakery based in the UK. And honestly, I I have never heard of of this sort of business model, I guess, but I find it so inspiring. And the way that she is able to give back to her community is so, so beautiful. And she'll tell you all about it. Yeah, so Lucy is not only providing baked goods for her local community, no matter their income, but she's also providing happiness, which I love. She has created a place where families and children can come and celebrate life. She's also created a space where very generous donors can pay it forward for the next person, totally anonymously. It's really incredible what she's doing, and we are so excited for you to hear her story. My name is Lucy Scott, um, and I am the director of a community interest company called Lil's Parlor. For anybody that's listening internationally, a community interest company is essentially what is a not-for-profit, I think, in the US and maybe some other places, Um, also known as a social enterprise. So how I go about running my business because it is still classed as a business we do still have to pay taxes on any surpluses but essentially we make a legal pledge that all our profits go back into community causes um i'm 42 so i'm getting on a bit but i feel as if it took me until i was in my late 30s to really appreciate and understand what i wanted to do with my life i feel there's a lot of pressure um at a young age to kind of decide you know what is your path and it's an impossible goal um so in my past I was a teacher and I taught young people between the ages of about 14 and 30 who had moderate to severe learning difficulties um and then before that I actually went to university and studied history which was a great hobby (laughs) I can't say I can't say the debt has actually helped me what I do with Lil's Parlor is kind of all encompassing and it has almost become my identity now which is something that I've got to work on because I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing yeah um but I live with my husband um we we were unable to have any children so it's just me and Matt and we just try and live a nice (laughs) we just try and live a basic kind life where we consider our actions towards other people and we enjoy supporting other independent businesses we enjoy traveling we're very much in our own little bubble but that's just a safe place for me um as a human I'm registered as disabled I have a couple of conditions so fibromyalgia I always roll my eyes when I say fibromyalgia because that's essentially what doctors do too um (laughs) I have um ADHD that wasn't diagnosed until I was in my late 30s and before that I was classed as being anxious and depressed and all those other things they like to kind of label you with from an early age but now they kind of know what it is so yeah but I just crack on and carry on living my life the best I can 
Tell us about Lil's Parlor. How did you get started? Have you always been a baker? Has this been a dream of yours? Tell us. So I've always been obsessive about food. There's a family story that goes around that, you know, they when mothers have babies, they say things like, oh, don't give them this food until that age. But I was eating sandwiches at like six months old <laughs> and, and obsessive about crisps. You guys call them chips. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've just always been very focused on food. So any experience in my life going right back into my childhood if anyone asks me about it I could say oh yeah is that the day we had that roast beef (laughs) so that's how that's how I kind of remember things um so I've just always done a lot of eating and I didn't realize it at the time but I was seriously hyper focused on food and what we call here celebrity chefs you guys have them too so I was spending way too much of my life hyper focusing on watching the tv about people cooking and eating and you know um so I just thought to myself you know I really want to do that but family pressures the kind of working class pressure in the UK that you have to make something of you know you have to you have to step ahead of the generation before you um and food isn't necessarily considered here as being a a great career to get into because it's low paid same story all over the world so I went and did the academic thing and while I was teaching I needed a mental health break I needed something because the the kids that I was working with there was a lot of stuff going on and I used to have to come home and just decompress and the way that I did that was through baking and making food um started taking things into the office and it's the it's the story really that things start as a tiny seed and kind of grow into a tree and that's what's happened with Lille's parlor starting working full-time then I went to part-time hours and started supplying cafes and various places with my food then I got a little commercial kitchen then it grew into a shop um, but the CIC the community interest company has came into play in the last 12 months it's always doing lots of stuff anyway that fell under the bracket of community interest company but I just didn't really have the confidence to step out and step out officially into what we call the third sector um yeah so it's a tiny little bakery um it's an area it's in Birmingham in the United Kingdom um and it's just we're only open twice a week because I do everything I do everything from cleaning the toilet to baking the food (laughs) shouldn't say that in the same sentence (laughs) not together um and (laughs) (laughs) it's just yeah it's just growing the idea of what I've done with Lil's Parlour making it pay as you can opening my doors to absolutely everybody regarding of their circumstances one of the main keys of what I like to do in the bakery is not to be exclusive be Mm. inclusive so it's not a food bank but it's completely open to somebody that needs a food bank yeah do you see what I'm saying so it really is for everybody um and yeah just keep going day by day obviously right now we've got don't know what your media's calling it but cost of living crisis and <laughs> recessions and everything else and people need what I'm offering at the moment um and while there's blood in my veins I will keep doing it however it's actually you know impacting on me because you know it's gloomy it's gloomy but doing what I'm doing with Lil's Parlor gets me out of bed in the morning because I know that I'm directly or indirectly helping another human being every day and that to me is is worth getting out of bed for oh 
I love it. Mm. Whose day can't be brightened by like a cupcake? Exactly. So I've been really lucky to have quite a bit of media exposure because what I'm doing is actually so unusual. And I did not realize this. Like I did not go into this as a marketing gimmick or thinking it was going to get me attention. These are things that I've been accused of. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. You live my life and then say that. Right. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, some of the comments over here have been, you know, children, I'm I'm sorry to use a triggering word. I don't like the word fat, but I'm using it as a a word that gets used over here. Mm -hmm. Um, Children are fat enough over here. They don't need cake. People are already eating too much sugar. They don't need cake. But I'm like, actually, they do. Because when you're low or you're sad or times aren't great, or if times are good, what do we do? We celebrate with a dopamine hit, right? And that is often caused by sugar. And isn't it better to be sugar than alcohol or drugs? Yeah. Just putting it out there. Yeah. No. (laughs) Totally agree. Totally agree. And I feel like that language, not to get off on like a tangent, but that can cause a lot of, I feel like that language can cause a lot more harm than good. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? I think people are maybe well-intentioned and want people to be healthy, quote unquote, doing air quotes. But I feel like that is just like... I think there's often a problem where people pigeonhole health into a certain kind of part of their brain. But actually, to me, health is about a whole person. It's not about what it is about what goes in and out of your body. Of course, it is. But it's also about your lived experience, the environment in which you live, the community in which you're part of. It's mental health, you know, someone that's been through the bad times, you know, what gets you back on track is none of anybody else's business if that happens to be a cupcake not at 20 I'm yeah. not gonna judge <laughs> I love your system of like pay what you can because like I feel like when we talk about you know giving to the community we might only focus on like bare necessities and sometimes you know you know, baked goods aren't seen as a necessity, but I really think that they are because, yeah. like you were saying, they can make people so happy. So, how did the pay as you can system come to be? So, pay as you can is it's nothing new. It's 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 essentially a socialist economic theory. So, when I went to um when I went to university, I studied economic and social history, mm-hmm. and throughout history as long as time has been in existence there has there always has to be some kind of economic to hold up economics to hold up a society mm-hmm. and um pay as you can is kind of it's kind of marxist in its ways but it's basically saying provide for everybody a community can provide for everybody mm-hmm. so what i've created is essentially a micro economy so the way the pay as you can works is exactly that anybody can come in there's there is a recommended price because some people have said they feel shy or embarrassed and they want a guideline so that was that actually initially wasn't there so I've learned a lot of lessons you know um throughout this process so people can come in they order what they want just like they would in a normal bakery we hold we hand them a little app um, if they want to pay cash, they can, but most people these days use cards of some description they just put the amount in that they want to pay. And that's it. We don't see the amount that they pay. We, you know, that's none of our business. Our business is that they've come in and that they're going away with something that's going to make them happy, essentially. So, yeah, it's um, it relies on people coming in and paying a little bit more. And it relies on people that come in and pay the recommended 
amount but it also relies on the people that can't make that purchase because they're all together creating this micro economy within the space in the bakery and it's really special how it's how it's come together so special i love that so much and i love the ability of like someone who has a little bit of extra Mm. can give a little bit of extra and help cover exactly people do like the generosity I mean, as human beings, we judge, right? You, somebody might walk in and even me, who is like, I, I, I really try never to judge. People have walked in and I've, I've maybe made a judgment and that person has given me £20 and said, take that for the kids, Bab. Bab is a term of endearment in Birmingham, kind of babe. Um, yeah. And I've just thought, God, I was not expecting that. Yeah. And a lot of the people that come in and are incredibly generous are randomly older men. And I think that's because they've maybe come from a position where they've had to provide for a fa- from a family and they 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 remember what it's like for maybe not to have things. Yeah. Um and we do have some absolutely and because it is a safe space, people often tell kind of not they don't realise they're telling the story, but they are telling me their story. Yeah. And they are everybody that comes in has got a different story you know the reasons why they want to support somebody could come in and they could get out of a Maserati outside and you could judge they're obviously a millionaire but you don't know how they were brought up you don't know what their childhood was like yeah so you know it is it's amazing what I've managed to achieve even though my self-esteem is usually like rubbish (laughs) yeah Yeah, that is so amazing I love that I love it Mm -hmm. I feel like yeah it's the people that that make it so special mm-hmm. so beautiful yeah. okay so a couple weeks ago you did this really cool thing where you had a free community grotto with santa claus tell us a little bit about that what was it how did you pull it off how did it go yeah so unwillingly not unwittingly unwillingly unwittingly my shop has become a place where children just love to come um it's bright and colourful and there's loads of my kind of Japanese collectibles in there. So it's like a moth to the flame with kids anyway. Yeah. And they come in and they they write me letters and they, you know, they just come in and they want to talk about Pokemon cards, which is amazing. Yeah. So I thought I want to be able to give something back to these children um, in the community that may not be able to do things like go and see Santa Claus because over here, it's super expensive to go and do that. So it can be up to £20 per person to wow. go and see Santa. So if you've got a family of five, that's £100. Yeah. It is this kind of weird parental expectation over here that you do the elf in the shelf and you do the Santa visit and you do. Yeah. And it's just a really um difficult expectation within the final fa- financial climate at the moment. So I thought, right, I'm going to do a grotto. I didn't even really think about it. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. <laughs> And I had to audition Santas. Like, <laughs> how do I even audition a Santa? Um, but I managed to find, I mean, obviously it was the Santa Claus, right? right? But the Santa Claus that came was an absolutely incredible human that does a lot of his own charity work in the invi- in the place where he lives. And he did it pay as you can for us, um, oh. as long as we just um, raise some money for his charity, which is Poland Syndrome. Um, yeah, and it was just amazing. And I didn't know if anybody was going to turn up or what was going to happen. We had hundreds of gifts. People within the Lills Parlour community off on um, 
Instagram has um, donated, you know, they've just sent things anonymously in the post. So 10 chocolate selection boxes or some books. And, you know, it's just it was just amazing because everything that took place within that space over the three days of the grotto really was. It really had come from the community um, in one way or another. And yeah. And then. When it was over, I just thought, oh, my God, how did I even pull that off? And then started <laughs> planning one for Easter, for the Easter what? bunnies. But it put me off. <laughs> but just seeing the children's faces and, you know, nobody wants to admit that they're struggling. Nobody wants to say the biggest thing for me is as human beings, if something is free, we automatically don't value it. We can't help it. It's just the way our brains work. And I was really worried that people would think it was going to be rubbish or not thought about very well or chucked together cheaply. So the feedback that people were like, that is the best grotto we've ever been to. And I couldn't have afforded to take the children this year. So you don't know what that's meant. People are still emailing me now, obviously, after the kind of Christmas come down and to thank me. So, yeah, it was amazing. We're going to do it again next year and we're going to do an Easter Bunny one as well. So... Okay, can I ask you a really hard question? Okay. What is what is your favorite treat that you make? My favorite. This is a really tough one at the moment because I've recently had COVID and I can't taste anything. Oh. And the main thing that I can't taste is sweet. I tried to have a bar of chocolate a few days ago and it was disgusting. I was ah. like, this is better quickly. But my favorite treat. If I had to eat one kind of cake or snack, it would probably be, I think you guys call it coffee cake, mm-hmm. uh, but it's not actually got any coffee in it. It's like right. a vanilla cake with a cinnamon strudel. Oh my God. That's probably my favourite thing. I, I like quite basic things. When I, when I have a treat, I'm kind of, you know, you get frosting people and cakey people. Yeah, I'll always go for the cakey stuff. So the cinnamon buns and the croissants. And um, I was lucky enough to visit New York a couple of years ago. I went to Super Moon Bakehouse. These like huge croissants. Absolutely amazing. Um, yeah. So my favorite treat is essentially anything to do with bread. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Absolutely love it. I said the list yesterday. We should have I feel like Sunday is like a coffee cake day. Like- oh, 100%. Big old piece. Warm. warm <laughs> oh my gosh. Making me yeah. hungry. <laughs> it's lovely. <laughs> Tell us about the happiness van. What is the happiness van? What, what's going on with it? So it is. <laughs> <laughs> so where I'm based, I'm based as in basically in the middle of the United Kingdom. So when you live in Birmingham, everywhere is accessible within, I mean, I say within seven hours to get to the Scottish Highlands, but, you know, that's a, that's a tiny little distance in America. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's like, that's a day's work. Yeah, like that's um, a trip, yeah. <laughs> and I wanted a way that I could, on a budget, essentially, because I'm always working to super tight budgets, yeah. to get more people to experience being able to pay as they can and do what I do and I thought well I need a van but because of my disability I can't just get any old van it has to be a certain type of van with certain sort of like you know technical bits Um, and I found these Japanese vans 
um the there's like a bongo and an al grand and an alfard and these kind of japanese import bands that were just perfect for what i needed and and my community god bless them helped me raise the money to get the happiness van and um she's ready she's ready to go but as usual red tape and laws and all the rest of it street trading licenses and every council in the uk has got a different rule so at the moment i'm just spending a lot of time trying to unravel the politics so i can actually like get it to me it seems simple put loads of treats in a van turn up somewhere and go come down it's pay as you can the reality of that isn't actually how it works you have to book a space and you have to get a license and yeah and it goes on and on and on I've actually got a meeting about that tomorrow with my local council because it's five thousand pounds for a street license to trade wow. here just in this just in this city I can't afford that yeah. so I'm having a meeting with them so I'm like you want to you want to feed your constituents help me out you know yeah. um yeah. So yeah, that is the happiness van, and it is the happiest thing ever. Like I am, when I get in that van, every time I get in, I could just cry how much I love it because I'm obsessed with Japan anyway, and the fact it speaks to me in Japanese makes me tearful every time. <laughs> and um, yeah, I had to go and see her last night. She's called Audrey, and that's oh. my nan's name. Oh. Um, so yeah, the plan is to get out. What I would love to do is almost get the map of the UK and be like, right. We're going to go from here. We're going to go all the way around and we're going to promote the heck out of it. But That's... then there is the logistical parts of somebody's got to be baking those cakes while I'm kind of <laughs> dancing around in the van. So it's a bit complicated. But, you know, I, when I put my mind to something, it happens. So watch this space with the happiness van. It's available. It's ready. I've just got to get it out there. <gasps> that is so exciting. <laughs> 2023 is going to be the year. Yeah, I can feel it. It's going well, to I hope so. We're sending all our love and, and well wishes for that. Yeah. So exciting. So what's in store for you this coming year? Happiness fan is in the works. You've got an Easter, Easter Bunny Grotto planned. Yeah. Anything else on the, uh, on the book so far? We've got a scheme called Holiday Activities Fund, and that is essentially, um, there's a lot of children in the UK that, aren't able to afford meals when they're at school so they are entitled to something called free school meals and there is a program during the school holidays to make sure it's that simple that they eat um so I've actually hooked up with them so I'm going to be offering some um holiday activity funds eating content it's not basically I'm going to be showing them how to cook really nutritious cheap meals and they can eat them so it's like they get to do something fun and they also get to eat more. So we're doing that over the holidays. Um, what else have I got planned? I mean, January is so odd because it's just such a blank. Um, I would really love to do some festivals, like have the opportunity to take Audrey to some festivals, even if it's just to promote Pay As You Can and show what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, but I think the biggest thing for me this year there's a few things I need to do for myself that I think are going to be difficult but important. So since I've been doing this, I haven't actually been paying myself a salary and I've been having to look to go back into teaching um, to be able to kind of, you know, continue. But I'm pretty much determined that's not going to happen. I've got some other ideas. So it's about keeping it all afloat financially, keep promoting the heck out of it. And what I would really love to do is, have more opportunities to do stuff like this where I can just talk about a system that actually works if you give it a chance yeah if you don't put 
if you don't if you take yourself out of being an economic cog in the wheel and just think actually things can work differently they really can but to make it work more and more people have got to take that jump you know have the little bit of time where you're not necessarily paying yourself anything you will cope (laughs) you know it's about just spreading the word and creating more happiness for people really I guess that is my plan for 2023 that's a good plan right there with you I love it how can our listeners from all over the world support you and what you're doing you can go on our um website which is www.lilsparlor.co.uk then I've also got Instagram which is surprise surprise Lils Parlor got TikTok which has been a surprising hit (laughs) for a woman of my age um which is again Lils Parlor and um yeah, if you Google Lil's pa- if you Google Lil's Parlor, like Lil's Parlor Pay You Can Bakery, like loads of articles and stuff come up. I'm very lucky because, yeah. We just are so inspired by what you're yeah. doing and you are making the world a better, sweeter place. So thank oh, you so much thank you. for what you're thank doing. Thank you so much. We are so inspired by Lucy. And honestly, like I was getting a little teary-eyed just hearing how much she cares about her community and the happiness and the joy that she wants to bring to it, that she is bringing to it, was so inspiring. And I think even though she's all the way in the UK, I think it can change our lives here as well. Absolutely. And if you are feeling inspired by what Lucy is doing, you can make a donation at her website. That website is going to be linked in the description of this episode, as well as on our Instagram. So please, please consider maybe just donating a few dollars. A few dollars means a treat for someone who may need it and don't we all need like a little cupcake every now and then I know I do I was getting hungry during this interview we talked about some of our favorite treats and I was like "Ooh, my stomach's growling a little bit so yeah definitely head over to her website and you know if you want to just support the work that she's doing a, a follow on social media can always help too so have a great week everybody thank you so much for listening to this episode If you like this episode and you want to hear more, check out some of the other interviews we have done. And as always, much love to you all, and we hope you all have a great week. We'd like to give a huge thank you to Anna Waltz Landscape Contracting for their support of Courageously Kind. Anna Waltz is a family-owned landscape contracting company in Berks County that has served Pennsylvania for over 35 years. If you're ready to get your landscaping project started, visit AnnaWaltzLandscape.com or call 610-916-7070. Anna Waltz Landscape Contracting, beautifying Pennsylvania one yard at a time. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, feel free to share it with your friends, your family, or anyone you think might like it too. And if you want to support the show, leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. It really does help. Or check out our merch store at CourageouslyKind.org. Take good care, and we'll see you back here real soon.